Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series, um, Get Out of the Boat. So we've been handing out some cards, and uh, they look like this. And uh, you'll see each one of these uh, seats in here this morning, I believe, has one of these cards on it. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more in a minute. But what I've been excited about is just this picture of Peter. Peter is such an interesting character. Have you ever met someone who's just ruled by their emotions? Like, it feels like every decision they make is a very emotional decision. Um, and, and you may, if you can't think of anyone, it might be you. Um, uh, so, but there are people that just do that. And we like to watch. I love watching Andy Griffith. Um, and you're like, you're not that old. No, I wasn't around when the originals came out. But um, we had Nick at Night growing up, you know. And uh, we watched these, watched Andy Griffith. And still today, I was so happy when Netflix came out. They've got all Andy Griffith on there. And if you ask my kids. Ella's a fan of Andy Griffith. The boys roll their eyes because it's black and white. He's watching that black and white show again. Um, and they don't, the boys don't like it so much, but they'll get there. I'll, I'm going to train them. That's their punishment right now. You'll sit down and you'll watch an Andy Griffith with me. Um, you'll learn something. Uh, but I love Barney because Barney is someone that is led by his emotions. If you watch decisions that Barney makes, he's just a sensitive guy. Actually, there's a whole bit in one of the episodes. Barney's like, I'm not sensitive. Uh, but it's, it's just great to watch it and, and because these characters kind of pull us in a little bit. Someone that just makes these on-the-fly decisions. Even you, you look at um, the Avengers, for instance. Uh, I'll bring it modern time here for us instead of Andy Griffith. But Hulk Hogan, or Hulk Hogan. Sorry, that's a different time. Um, the, he was ruled by emotions as well, though. That's a whole other story. He dropped some elbows. Um, okay, sorry, my brain's going a million miles an hour now. Okay, Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. You know, his famous statement is what? You won't like me when... I'm angry, right. You know, he's, he's like, you're not going to like it because when I get mad, I can't control myself. You know, and we know there are these emotional issues that we all have. And it makes for good television. It, it also makes for good Bible reading. To be honest, we sometimes connect with Peter because Peter was so controlled, it seemed, by emotions. He made a lot of emotional decisions. But what I love about Peter and looking at what Peter did was uh, his decisions that he made were, were a little strange sometimes, but, but they also were big steps of faith for Peter. And they weren't wasted decisions. Um, and I just want to I, I wanna get us on the same page, so I'm going to run through some scenarios or some illustrations here in, in Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to be all over the map, so there may be verses on the screen, or I'm just throwing references. I don't know what we're doing, but just hang tight, and trust me. You can write them down if you don't. Don't believe me. Um, look them up later. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Peter, is the whole, all the disciples are emotionally involved in a decision at this point. You remember, if, if you have a little Bible history to you here, um, there's this time where all the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And there's this whole emotional thing going on of pride. Who's going to sit there? Peter was a part of that argument of the, all the disciples arguing about who's going to be this and who's going to be the greatest. So, so here, begin being led by emotions. Mark chapter 9, verse 5, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Peter, <laughs> Peter, man, he, he, he just wants to be first. He, and he puts his foot in his mouth and he makes some. So you've got this big thing going on where Jesus is showing a select few. Peter, James, and John up to this mountain is showing them who he is. He's revealing that he's God's son. He's revealing that he's not Elijah, that he's not Moses. As some are saying that God's brought them back again. So here's Jesus and Moses who's long been dead. Um, Elijah who's long been dead are there with them. And there's three of them. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and Peter, James, and John are watching this in, 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 in this grand moment where you see this thing being unveiled. And you ever, you ever see something that's supposed to turn out one way, and then someone says something that kind of sucks the air out of the room? And they're all just kind of look at him. And here's this moment for Peter where they're all, and you just imagine Elijah, and I don't know what it looked like specifically, but I just see kind of like a Elijah and Moses kind of floating in, and Jesus is kind of levitating, and the holy choirs are singing, and their light's shining, and it's like, and everyone's like, thunder's cracking, all this stuff, and it's this dramatic moment, and Peter's like, I got an idea, let's build shelters. Let's build shelters for everyone. That'll be cool. And, and they all, you know, you just feel the whole room, all the eyes look over at him. Like that was the dumbest thing. Come on, man. You missed the whole point of everything. Peter just, whatever came to mind, he spoke it and he said it. And the Mount of Transfiguration was one of those times. Peter also, um, Matthew 17, 22, Peter corrects Jesus about Jesus' own purpose on earth. And we have that famous line where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, you know you're not doing well when Jesus calls you Satan. Um, you got a little ahead of yourself. You may, may let uh, your emotions. And Peter's love for Jesus, Peter's desire to see Jesus be king and Messiah overtook him. He was controlled by emotions, and he said things he shouldn't say sometimes. Matthew 26, verse 40, Peter can't even stay awake to pray with Jesus in a crucial moment. He's just controlled even then by emotions of, of tired, um, that, that, that he's overwhelmed, that he can't handle it. Jesus takes these guys to the garden to pray with him. And Peter, he's sleeping. And Jesus is just he's crying, sweating, blood drops of blood. He's crying out to the Father, save me from this hour and all this. And he goes back and there's three guys and there's Peter's one of them sleeping under a tree. Matthew 26 um, is, the, is the biggie. Actually, let me jump. John 18, verse 10, Peter cuts off the of the, of the guy arresting Jesus. So here's a, this, this emotional outrage that Peter's just mad. He can't believe it. He grabs a sword and he lops off the servant's ear. And, 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 and the whole, you know, the, the deal with Peter, again, Jesus always walked behind and kind of cleaned it up. And Peter, Jesus picks up an ear and is probably just shaking his head at Peter. Come on, man. Uh, let's, let's get this, get your act together. And, uh, and then it moves to the big one where we know Peter denies Christ. Not once, but three times, Peter allowed fear of men to control him. And Peter just was controlled by emotion. And a lot of those things that were emotional for Peter were him separating himself from everything, of making, just making a quick decision. Sometimes they were just really like he thought he was doing the right thing and he's going to lead the charge, but he was a little misguided in how he did that. But what we love and what I love about Peter is Peter didn't allow his failures and his shortcomings to hold him back. He used his failures and his shortcomings as stepping stones to deepen his faith in Christ and to impact others. 
So rather than being taken back, and what I love about this story and why I think we relate and why I certainly myself relate to Peter is I think when we read this, we see a bunch of missteps and I can feel pretty good about myself because I, I've never denied Jesus like that. I've never cut anyone's ear off out of rage. I haven't, I haven't ever made that big of a blunder. I've never been on a mountain with Moses and Elijah and Jesus that levitating and floating in clouds and thunder and said something really dumb. Um, you know, th- th- like I feel pretty good about myself. Um, but one thing I do know is that I do have failures. I have messed up. I have been in situations where I wish I would have taken a step of faith, but I didn't take a step of faith. I cowered back in fear. There have been times where I've allowed sin to rule my life more than it should have, and I've had to go back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. There have been times in my life where I know God was calling me to do something specific, and I was afraid of what would happen if I did, and I took longer to respond than what I should have. There are certainly times in my life where I have spoke before I thought, that's a Spencer thing. My mom's here this morning. She taught me well. Um, she, she's la- my mom's laughing at that, just so you know. I didn't offend my mother. Um, but uh, there's just that. Sometimes I always got accused of getting my dad's good wit and, and, and mom's uh, inability to stop saying things. So I got myself in trouble all the time uh, because I always had a smart aleck comment ready to go. There was always one in the queue. And uh, anything for a laugh. And uh, so, but I relate with Peter because he just says things before he thinks. But what I realize is Peter's growing. Every mistake that Peter makes really may be one step forward, but it's one step backwards, but it's a leap of faith forward for Peter. And he may have made a mistake, but, but, but what he does when he comes back is an amazing picture of God's grace. So as many stories as we have of Peter making a blunder, we have even more stories. And we've been in this book in in, in Matthew and and, and reading Peter. One of these huge steps of faith that Peter took is when he stepped out of the boat. He stepped out in faith, and his faith in God was so big that, yeah, he's led with emotion, but this was a great decision because Peter there is in, this, is in the boat in the middle of this storm, and here comes Jesus walking across the water. And if you haven't been part of the church for the last couple of weeks, I encourage you, jump online, churchunited.family, click on the media tab, and listen to some of these past messages, um, and, and listen to what we've been talking about because it's all about getting out of the boat in this moment of decision for Peter when he sees Jesus. Jesus coming across water. They didn't know it was Jesus. They thought it was a ghost. Jesus speaks up and says, do not fear. I am here. It's it's Jesus. And Peter says, if it's you, call me to come to you no matter what the storm looks like. And Peter takes a step of faith out of the boat into the water and he's standing on water because Jesus told him to come. Where the rest of the disciples, they're sitting in the boat still in fear of what's going on. But Peter takes a step of faith. That's not the only one we see for Peter. We talked about this last week because Peter really did, in Matthew chapter 17, did something great. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the first one to take a step of faith and make a bold proclamation about who Jesus is. And Jesus says, Peter, you have a relationship with my Father. He has revealed that to you. God is speaking to you because of your great faith. And then we come to the book of Acts. 
And I love reading the book of Acts because after, after Peter's all done with uh, this, this whole denial of Christ thing and all this stuff passes, if something would take the wind out of you, I can't imagine recovering from that moment where Jesus says specifically, you're going to do this. Peter says, I will not deny you. But Peter denies. Not once, but three times. And Peter's nowhere around when Christ is hanging on a cross that we know of. But yet in the book of Acts, we see after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Jesus comes to them that forgiveness is granted to Peter. Peter understood his mistake, and though he took a step forward, or took a step backwards with a big blunder, Peter is taking leaps of faith forward. And in the book of Acts, we begin to see this unveiled as Peter emerges as a leader in the church. As Peter is the one with these big blunders and these big mistakes that he's made in the past, he now understands that his steps of faith and how he controls his emotion, how he puts that on the check that emotion's not bad, but God gave him emotion. He should use it in order to advance the kingdom of God. And he should rely on God's truth before he relies on emotion. And Peter begins to set in place a great movement in the church because of his obedience to Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, we see right here Peter stands up and addresses the 120 believers. After Jesus ascends and he says, I'm going to send you another helper. It's the Holy Spirit, but he's not here yet. You go and wait. So they go back in obedience. They walk back to Jerusalem, and they're all gathered together. And Peter begins to emerge as a leader, and they pick and choose, or excuse me, they choose um, a new disciple to take the place of Judas. And Peter leads the charge, and the others are around him doing this. And, and here's what's interesting about this piece by itself is as Peter begins to emerge as a leader, one of the things that I notice about the other 11 disciples around him or the other 10 disciples around him at that point as they were getting ready to choose a new one is they all realized because they were in the boat when Peter took that big step of faith, they were also in the room when Jesus rebuked Peter. They were also in the room when Peter uh, was arguing with them about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They were also there when Peter denied Christ. They knew that that had happened. They knew what took place. They knew over and over again that Peter made blunder after blunder. And here they are following Peter's leadership because they weren't holding back. And they weren't holding against Peter the things that he had done wrong. They were seeing what God was doing in Peter's heart and in Peter's life and that God was calling Peter to take great steps of faith and Peter was walking after the Lord in obedience. I'll tell you something I get fearful of in church is we call this church united. The heart is that we're united. We're united together in Jesus Christ, but when you put something like a name of united on something, it really puts a target on the church in the mind of Satan, I believe, to cause division in the church. And we already know that Satan's trying to divide the church. We already know that Satan wants no church to succeed. So we have to be very careful, and one of the things that you see in this is the church begins to grasp, they begin to the, the, the grab hold of a movement that God's getting ready to do is they have to be united together in that movement. 
And I'll tell you, one of the worst things that would have caused division and put a whole stop to the movement at that point is if those 10 other disciples at that moment would have said, well, Peter, he's not worthy to be leader. They would have started whispering. Oh, did you see that? He messed up. Someone else should do it. Come on. Matthew, you had less mistakes. Andrew, I think you could do a better job. Because what happens is little gossip, little nitpicking causes division. When we start speaking negatively against one another, when we start speaking negatively against God's men, other, God's other people, God's other churches, Satan gets a foothold and he starts causing division in your life and in the life of your church. And this is one of the most amazing things, I think. And when we call ourselves united, what I want you to understand, church, is it's not just about all of us being like, ooh, I love Jesus. Because you have to actually walk in truth. You have to actually live it out. And part of that unity that comes together when this movement erupts is that they're unified together in understanding that they love Peter. That, yeah, Peter made some mistakes, that Peter had some faults. And this isn't about me this morning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm your leader. You should love me and all that stuff. Yeah, you should. That's great. But I'm just talking about one another across the board. We have to be careful how we speak against one another because I'm not the only one in here that's made mistakes. Chad? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you're right in my line of sight, man. Uh, no, we, we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And what happens when we start working together in community, we, there, there might be a fear to say, well, I, I, I don't know if this person's qualified. I don't know if this person has, but it's steps of faith. And if we as a church get behind one another and we're supportive of not only our church, but the whole church community, the whole, everyone that's on task for the kingdom of God, they may not be doing things the way that you would do them or you don't agree with this or that, but we pray for one another, we encourage one another, and we help one another because we understand the mission of the church. No matter what church you go to, if you're a gospel, Bible-believing church, the mission of the church is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So the best way we can do that is not to talk about each other or not to judge each other by mistakes we've made in the past, but to rally around one another, encourage one another in our faith and support others who are taking big steps of faith for Christ. And we get behind one another and we cheer each other on for the glory of God. Right? This is, what, this is what we need to be doing. And this is what I see in the life of Peter and these other disciples. If Peter's like, okay, we've got to choose someone. No one said, why are you leading this conversation, Christ denier? Why are you leading this conversation? You know, there was no calling out of Peter for all these past things. They realized he had been forgiven by God. And they should forgive as well. And they move forward. And they begin to move forward in an extreme, mighty, powerful way. And what I love about this is, that, so they pick an apostle, then the Holy Spirit, I, I can't imagine this. They're in this upper room, and the Holy Spirit sweeps through. The glory of God comes down. The wind's blowing, it's howling through. All these tongues of fire are going on. All these things I can't quite, and we all can't quite grasp what that means today. But it's happening there, and the evidence is true that the whole city is erupted in a frenzy because of what's happening because the Spirit of God showed up. I don't know if the structure of the Stanton Mall could take a big wind like that, but wouldn't it be amazing if the whole community knew this place is a place where the Spirit of God shows up? 
that we are in this place not because we love the cool music or your preacher's really nice and he's got big guns. Uh, you know, I know that's why you're here, some of you. It's okay, like my wife. Um, you know, it's not about what the music is. It's not about the building. It's not about programs. It's not about any of this stuff. We walk into this place and we want people to come here because this is where the Spirit of God visits us, changes our lives forever. And sends us out of this place with fire within us and passion to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the gospel. So here they are at Pentecost. The, the Holy Spirit shows up. Man, and, and, and it's just crazy. And what we have next in, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, listen to this. Then Peter stepped forward. And begin to preach. Now, it, it, it doesn't actually say that. It says more than that. And this is what's exciting to me. This is actually what it says. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. And they shouted to the crowd and began to preach the gospel. Catch that. It wasn't just Peter. Peter's steps of faith out in front of everyone else this whole time, where Peter steps out of the boat and they're still sitting back there, where Peter steps out and they're still saying, I'm not sure who God is or ready to make that claim, but okay, Peter says, says that you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Steps of faith where Peter even grabs a sword and, and tries to save his Lord unknowingly. They're all standing in the background. Steps of faith where Peter just continues to step out in front of the rest. Now, Peter's zealousness, Peter's excitement, Peter's emotions aligned with the truth of God's word put him in alignment and the rest of the apostles look and they say Peter's now taking a step of faith and we're going with him we're not going to miss a movement of God we're not going to miss the power of God coming down in this place we're not going to sit on the sidelines anymore we're going to take a step of faith together and we are going to impact the world for the name of Jesus Christ together Together they did that. You should be excited about that. And I'm not going to repeat and shout again because I'm already wore out. This should excite you. <laughs> this should excite you. Because here's what happens. When you impact a few, together we impact the view. Because this is what was going on. The view of the world at that time was dismal and bleak because they didn't really have Jesus you have these 12 apostles and these hundred some people out of all the population in the world. They're the ones that know the truth. The Holy Spirit comes down and affects the few. And you may not have the ability on your own to change the face of the earth and the view of everyone's future. But if you impact a few, Together, the few will impact the view. Everyone's future changed because of what you choose to do today. How you choose to step out in faith and impact a few people around you. I'm not, and this is the problem. We can look at the world and we can see that it's dismal. You can see that things aren't going well. You can see that the church is in decline across America. You can see there was a statistic last, last year, I believe, or 2018, that came out with Thomas Rayner that he said eight to ten or six to ten thousand churches a year are closing their doors. 
Six to 10,000 churches a year are closing their doors. That's a dismal view. Yeah, there are churches getting started, but not at the same rate. And if it continues there, my grandchildren may not know at all what church looks like as we do today. The view of the future is dismal. The percentage of students walking away is 60-70% in some statistics that students that graduate high school never return to church. At an alarming rate, the generation, the millennials are walking away from the church. It's a bleak view. It's a dismal view of the future. And what our thought is, is, is okay, if that's that overwhelming, what is one person going to do about that? And even on a church level, we think, okay, what do we do? We put together, we rent out a coliseum somewhere. We put together a big event. We get all these people to come, and we preach the gospel, and we tell them, yeah, can those things be effective? Yeah. Jesus preached to masses of people. But that wasn't the foundation of his ministry. Jesus walked among this earth for 32, 33 years and he chose to invest in 12 men and even more so he chose to invest in three men Peter James and John in Jesus's view of the future the world at that point didn't know who he was and if they did know who he was they thought he was a heretic or a lunatic they thought that he was, he, was a, he was blaspheming God. But Jesus invested in a few. And together that few impacted the view of humanity. We sit here today because of Jesus' investment in Peter, in James, in John. And as we look at statistics and we begin to think, okay, reality is that our church this size that you can sense the spirit of God in and you know that God's doing a movement or doing something great it's great to see all the seats full in the church it's a wonderful thing but the reality is most churches are 80 or less people that's the average size church in America so we could say oh God's doing something great here let's just hang on to that or or wow we're we're, we're doing okay let's rest you know oh we got this together but I'm telling you what would happen if 200-some people picked up what Jesus was teaching, those 11 disciples, and said, I'm going to take this serious, and I'm going to change how I live. And it's not about all of us running out, planting our own churches. Oh, we can have, I could just appoint you all pastors and go start a church. Go all over the world. That would be awesome. First, Jesus is calling us to the people right around us. Jonathan Reichert has been our family life director, and Jonathan's doing a tremendous job, and Jonathan is helping me lead the charge on something we're calling a lead small culture, that it begins to shift the way the church looks. And it's starting with the children's ministry up through the student ministry. 
Because we got to start back in this generation and we got to make sure that we know that the next generation is going to be serving God. That if we can do anything to begin changing a statistic of what it looks like is that in this church at least we start here and we begin with the few and begin impacting the few that we say when these guys graduate high school, our, uh, our ratio is not going to be that 70% of them walk away from faith in the Lord. How can we change that? We can change that by seeing that they are impacted. That those few are being impacted by you. So we begin to change the way that looks because I want it to look different and, and students aren't coming to church because of programs. Or I should rephrase that. They may be coming now because of a program but they're not staying in the church because of the program. It's not about programs. It's about connecting them not to programs. It's connecting them to people. And if our students, if my son Levi and my son Jack and my daughter Ella knew that when they came to church, there were other adults besides their mom and dad in the church that really cared about them and really believed the best in them and were praying for them, taking an interest in their lives and also encouraging Kelly and I as parents and being an encouragement to us, if that began to take hold in my kids' lives and as they begin to grow, they've got another leader in their life as they grow to a next stage and another leader. Now by the time they graduate high school, they've been connected with eight to 10 adults in the church that love them, that care for them, that have poured into their lives and then when they graduate, they don't feel like they lost their church. But we've shoved programs at our kids for so long that when they graduate and they leave a program, they feel like they have left their church. There's nothing for them anymore because we haven't connected in the people, we connected in the programs. It's changing, church. We are moving now and we need you to get out of the boat to say that I need to invest in a few if we're going to change the view. And it begins with you saying, I'm going to step of faith and take a big step of faith. I'm getting out of this boat and I'm going to begin working within the church that it's not just in kids ministry. It's in middle school ministry. It's in high school ministry. It's in community groups. As Jesse and I met this week with Will's uh, kitchen, we began talking about and dreaming about what's this look like if we, even as adults, had other adults in the church that we felt actually cared about us. And wanted to do life with us. And I, I hate that this is a, some kind of new concept because it's the Bible. It's called discipleship. And every one of you as a follower of Jesus Christ are called to be a disciple. But I don't think we've understood what that meant. So we've dropped the ball or we've pushed it away or we thought we have to be brilliant scholars of God's word in order to be called a disciple maker. I'm telling you that's not the truth. If you know Jesus as your personal savior and you met him today, you're a disciple maker. You have the ability to impact a few other people where you are. I love that story, that testimony from Jason. Because it said, I'm a new believer. I need to grow in my faith. And I connected. I was at this class one time. It was last week. And I'm so excited about what God's going to do. Because he's learning and growing in his faith. If more people had the hearts of Clint and Jonathan and Jesse and Wills and so many others of you that I could name in here that have a heart to connect with people. If we all re realize that's not a leadership role in the church, that's just your job. And actually, all of us are leaders in the church. It is a leadership role. It's for you. You're a leader in the church. So what do you do? Well, I don't do much. Well, you're a leader because you should be leading other people into faith in Jesus Christ. And this isn't about sitting down all the time and, okay, well, let's, let's start talking about predestination. 
Um, that's not what this is about. This is about just sitting down and caring for one another. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ, the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. You say, I don't like people. I don't want to hang out with them. Then the Bible says, then you don't like Jesus. You don't love Jesus if you don't love people. And yeah, maybe your deal isn't that you're going to invest. And I'm not all, you know, I like to give hugs and stuff, but I'm not the greatest counselor in the world, but I don't hate you. If you want to talk to me about something, I would love to sit down. I don't know how much help I can give, but I'll at least point you to someone else who can help you more than me because I love you and I want to see you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. And what this card is about Is there ministries listed on here? It says greeters and ushers. But I want to tell you something. I, I'm not talking about the job as making coffee and making sure the building's open in the morning. The job is connecting with people when they walk in the door to smile at them, to say, we love you, we're glad you're here, and I don't know what happened to you this week, but you are in a safe place this morning of people that care about you and love you. We are so glad you're here. If you're on the prayer team, this isn't about just getting in a corner somewhere. This is about connecting with people in the church. You look like you're hurting this morning. How can I pray for you today? It's making connections with people. If you're in the nursery holding babies, it's not it's just, oh, I, I don't have any other skills. That's one of the greatest skills you can have is to love on a child. What it means to a parent when they know they have people in that room and you connect with the parent. I had a great time with your kid today. She's so beautiful. She's so lovely. I prayed over your child and this is what I prayed for them while I was holding them in my arms. If you're on the worship team, it's not about a show. It's not about rocking and sliding across the stage on your knees. All right? And you don't see, hopefully we've never seen that. Um, I don't think we have. But this is about connecting people's heart to the heart of God. But it doesn't just end right here because if you think I'm just a rock star and I walk by you and blow by you on Sunday morning on the way out the door and hit you with my guitar or my drumstick, you're not going to think much of me. But we want to connect you with people that, that there's connection, that you love on people, that you care for people. Noon lunch. You want to serve a noon lunch? It's not about slinging burgers or whatever they serve out. It's about connecting with people. It's about making them sure they know they're loved and cared for and we're giving up time here because we love you. We want to serve you. Community groups. It's not about having fun. Sorry, I keep pointing at you two. Every time I say community groups, Jesse's sitting up here. It's, a, it's not about just playing games. Can you play games? Do they? Probably. And yes, we can have fun together, but it's about loving one another. It's about caring for one another. It's about when someone in my group is hurting, when someone in my group is going through a problem or a situation that our group rallies around them and prays for them. And if they had a devotional or a Bible study ready for that night, maybe they need to set it aside and say, Johnny's having a rough time this week. Let's gather around him and pray for him and make sure he's encouraged. Someone has a baby. We gather around them, make them feel loved. Someone's sick, we see them in the hospital. We care for one another. And if you're not in community group, I want to say you need to get in community because your needs won't be met in the church if you're not fellowshipping with other believers. There's a safety team on here. What's it about? People. So we don't die. 
So you don't trip over something so someone doesn't jump out and scare you and give you a heart attack in the back. You know, it's about caring for people. It's making sure kids go home with their parents. Parents, as hard as you try to leave your kids here, our safety team is going to make sure they go with you because we love your kid and they have their best chance when they're with their parent, okay? So we want you to connect. We want you to, and it's about loving people. Kids ministry, it's not about teaching. It's not about singing. It's not about dancing. It's relating with kids. It's building relationships. It's making sure my boys and your kids that you have back there, when they sit down, they know someone's in front of them that loves them. You don't have to be the greatest teacher. You don't have to be the greatest entertainer. You just have to love the kids and care about them, genuinely care. A production team, when we got guys doing the lights and the sound and the computer and all that stuff, it's not about those things. It's about you. We want to make sure we can remove and eliminate as many distractions so the people in this place can worship God, so that you can connect with God. Office help. It's, I don't know about that one. Okay, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it is, it's about people. You have these little things because someone cut them out. It's getting things in brochures and information in your hands, connecting visitors to the church, greeting new guests, helping people connect with one another. That's why we need your help. Prep team, getting the building ready. We want to create an environment so that when you invite someone into the church that doesn't know Jesus, this is ready to roll. It's ready to go. That's why we do work teams. That's why we do prep stuff. Children's ministry has a whole prep team so that when the kids come in, the people that want to relate with the kids, you get together this week and you cut out crafts, you do all that stuff, you connect with one another, you're building relationships with one another, and then a teacher comes in or a small group leader, as we call them now, come into the room on Sunday morning and they sit down and they don't have to do that stuff. They're right on the relationships with the kids. Check-in ministry for the kids thing. I'm, th- I'm going through all of them. You feel like, I got it. It's people. No, we don't seem to get it, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Check-in ministry is about people. It's not about a computer wizard, okay? You don't have to, you know, if you ever sit by my wife, I don't, I can't see what the heck she's typing because of, you don't have to have these great skills. Peck someone's name in one letter at a time. Okay, say, Siri, can you write, you know, whatever you want to do. We just want you to smile at people and make them feel welcome when they come in, that you get down on a knee when a kid comes in and you say, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. We're excited. You're going to have the greatest time of your life here today because we love you. This is what it's about, student ministry. We're not whipping pies in each other's face, at least you won't in mine. And if you want to do that, that's great. But it's not about the games. It's not about the activities. It's about connecting with kids because I know when they hit those teen years, my daughter's in that right now. She's getting ready to turn 13 next year, and and I am as scared to death as a parent because I know all the problems and all the things change, and there are people that get into the lives of the kids, and they say, hey, we care about you. We know you're going through tough stuff. We want to help you. We want to love on you. Outreach ministry. Hopefully that one doesn't need that. It's about reaching people for Jesus Christ wherever needed. And I can tell you anything that you say that you want to do in this church, I'll tell you if you're confused on how it's about people. Because our heart here is if we love God, we will love people. And so many of us are afraid to make connections. So many of us aren't getting involved and, and, and we're not getting out of the boat because we're afraid either we think, oh, we don't, won't make much of a difference. We won't have that kind of a deal going on. We, there won't be that kind of a connection. But I'm telling you, there is. 
And you can, through impacting a few, impact the view. Together, we can do that. And if we right here, if Jesus could feed into the lives of 12 guys, just think of what he can do when we open our hearts up to allow him to use us in this community and around this world. And we do so not bickering, not complaining, not whining, not talking down about other people or other ministries. We're unified together through the Holy Spirit and we're supporting one another, helping one another, encouraging one another because all the one another's are in there that Jesus tells us to do because it's about loving God and loving people. So this this morning is all about getting out of the boat. And here's your challenge. You've got pens in front of you. The band's going to come up and they're going to sing a song. And while they sing and while they play worship time, this is your chance. And what I want to tell you is you, you can check every box on here if you want to, okay? I, I don't care what you check. We don't desire to get you involved in everything that's going on in the church because you'll wear yourself out and you'll spread yourself too thin. But what we would like you to do is check something. If you already know, man, I like that safety team thing or I like that kids ministry thing or whatever it is, and you want to check that box, it doesn't mean you've automatically signed up and you're serving next Sunday. It means someone will reach out to you and tell you about that ministry and help you understand. And you may, after that conversation, you may say, oh man, I didn't realize that's what prep team was about. I don't think maybe I would be better here. And that person will go and they'll share your name with someone else that maybe connect you better to a ministry that you can serve in. But start. This is the first step to get out of the boat. You take this card and you write your information on there and you check a box. And your response time is walking up here after you've filled out this card and you just drop it in the box. And it's you may have to shove it down in there really hard. But <laughs> it's as easy as that. The lid's not locked, so if it gets a little confusing, just take the lid off. <clears throat> there we go. See, look, I helped people. <laughs> right out of the boat. That was it. I'm done. Uh, no. Let's serve together. Let's work together for the kingdom of God. This is why we're here. This is why you're not saved to live alone. God saved you to impact a few so we could impact a few. We want to see the world change for the name and the love of Jesus Christ. I'm calling you this morning. If you don't have one of those cards, we have some greeters, some folks in the back that might have some cards in their hand that they'll pass some out to you. If you don't see one, just slip up your hand. There's some pens in front of you, but just... Uh, man, spend some time praying, check a box, walk your cart forward, drop it in the box. Let's serve the Lord. Let's step out of the boat together.